Take your Bibles this morning, if you will, please, yet again, and turn with me to the 15th chapter of John. We have been here for uh, a couple of months now. There's just so much to unpack, so much to enjoy, so much to experience in these words that, that you just have to take your time. You just have to go word by word, phrase by phrase, sentence by sentence, and verse by verse. And God has so impacted our lives by this. So let me just reiterate, we're going to be in verses 6 and 7 here, or 7 and 8 here today. If you'll join along with me, I want to read these one more time. Especially verse 7, where we're going to camp out the most. If you abide in me, now we remember all that abide means. We've been looking at that, studying that now for weeks. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it will be done for you. For by this, <clears throat> big words, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so will you be my disciples. And that's where we want to be. We want to be disciples of Christ. We want to be those who genuinely follow Him. Let's pray together. Lord, we just come before you and ask your blessings on our time together today. You have given us such an incredible time of worship. And now as we just want to dig into your word, we ask that you would powerfully respond, powerfully lead us to what you are saying to us individually here today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Now we found the purpose of the branch is to abide deeply in the vine. And the results of that is fruit. This is all about producing fruit. We've talked about what all that means in our lives. We're not going to go back over that. But the purpose is to produce fruit. And therein is God glorified. So what is this fruit? The first thing that Jesus specifically mentioned as fruit of abiding in Him is answered prayer. And that's where we are this morning. He began earlier by saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. We see a pair. He abides in me and I in him. He uses this again. You abide in Christ, Christ abides in you. When we get to verse 7, he changes it just a little bit. I don't think the essence has changed at all. The words are changed just a little bit. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. A new pair, but it's really just uh, 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 the unpackaging of another one. This abiding means that moment-by-moment moment constant relationship of living in Jesus Christ, of drawing our life source and essence from Him. Learning to abide is a lifelong process, and we've talked about that. This is something that we, that we experience moment by moment in our lives from our first earliest waking moment until the most anticipated event that we've been thinking about all during the night this is abiding in him but this text has two halves so i want you to abide it, uh, to divide it up for me okay if you abide in me and my words abide in you that's the first part okay this is kind of an if-then clause, okay? If this happens, then this will happen. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then here's the results of that. You will ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. So we need to look at it in its two halves here. It's, it's a conditional statement. If 
this happens, then this will happen. So we've got to look at what comes first, don't we? All right? Two things have to come first. First of all, it says, if you abide in me, if you draw your life source, if you draw your essence, if you, you draw your living, breathing ability to get up and do anything of any positive spiritual nature, if you draw your very life from me, that's what the abiding means. Then he, he takes a step further. And my words abide in you. How is it that his words abide in us? Well, simply put, you and I discover him as we enter into the scriptures. He reveals himself to us through his word. And as you and I get into his word, we are, we are learning of him. We're experiencing him. We're loving him and receiving his love more and more as we dig into his word. And then his word begins to have an incredible impact in our lives. It, it becomes to have a serious, be a serious change agent in our lives. But here's what I want you to know. Letting Jesus abide in you results in his words abiding in you. And here's what I want you to grasp. I want to do this as a quote. Somebody smarter than me said this. Letting the words of Jesus abide in us means letting a Christ abide in us, speaking his words and thoughts and will into our lives and spirits. It means we welcome Jesus into our lives. We make room for him to live, not as a silent guest with no opinions or comments, but rather as an authoritative guest whose opinions matter more to us than anyone else's and whose commands are our law of life. Now that's a whole different concept, okay? Christ abiding in us is interchangeable with His words abiding in us. Because when He comes into our life, He comes and if He abides, His views abide. If He abides, His opinions abide. If he abides, his principles abide. If he abides, his promises abide. If he abides, his commandments abide. So, in short, if Christ abides in us, his word is going to abide there as well. It's an intentional, spiritual act of living with a person whose opinion matters. And where does he express his opinion? He expresses that most clearly and abundantly in His Word. Listen to me, folks. You will find your life stunted, your spirit shriveled, if you seek to abide in Christ apart from abiding in His Word. You and I need His Word as food to eat and water to drink. And we cannot disassociate. That's why His Word is so important to us here at First Baptist Church. That's why we spend so much of our time and our money in digging into the Word. Our Bible study groups. If you're not engaged in one of our Bible study groups, let me encourage you at the conclusion of this service, there'll be people around. Derek will be close by. And we'll be glad to point you towards a great Bible study group. So we've got people in Bible study right now. They're presently digging into the Word of God and mining out all of those deep truths. And they're going to come in here after us and enter into worship. Getting in the Word is so essential. We do that on, on, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Every time the doors are open, 
We've got groups here, small groups, large groups, engaged in digging into the Word. We encourage you, I implore you, I beg you in Jesus' name, do not disassociate yourself from the Word of God. Not only here as we gather together, but at home in the quiet and the privacy of your quiet time with God. Have time, make time, set aside time, protect time that you open the Word of God, that you read the Word of God, that you study the Word of God, that you apply the Word of God, that you memorize the Word of God. Because when you do, Christ is abiding in you when that happens. Because he and his word go together. So let's ask ourselves this question. How am I drawing my life source, my essence, from reading and applying the word of God? How do you think about God's word? When you open your Bible, are you expecting to find some things in there that, that might be some good advice, that might serve you some purpose, and you may take it and you may not as you live out the course of your day? Or when you open that word, are you seeing the mandate of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords speaking His truth and His direction into your life, which you will follow? It's a predetermined fact. If you want the Word of God to abide in you richly, that you pray, God, I'm about to open your word. And I'm about to hear from you. And what I hear from you, I will apply and do in my life. That will radically change your spiritual life, my friends. Don't just read the Word of God as some suggestions that might be good to apply to your life. They are life itself. How does my life reflect that I've been abiding in His Word? Well, can you look at your life and say, well, I responded this way because this is what I learned was the right way to respond in the Scriptures. Or I, I gave this up this pain and this agony and this unforgiveness because I found in the Scriptures that's how I can be fully free. Is the life you're living and you're rejoicing in and experiencing, is it a reflection of how you're abiding in the Word? If you're making room for Christ, you've got to make room for His Word. So that means to plan. You know, you've got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan, you're going to fail, okay? To fail to plan is to plan to fail. So you need a plan. So every morning when you get up, you have, you have your plan. You've got your Bible set right there. You've got your study material set there. Uh, your, your devotional material, if you use that, set there. Your journal is right there. All you need is to go get your cup of coffee and you're ready to go. Because you've made your plan. And then when you make your plan, you need to work your plan. All right? You need to work your plan every morning and especially on Sundays as you're getting ready to come here. You need to work your plan. And then you read, then you study, then you memorize, then you apply, then you journal and write it down. Now, here's what I want you to see as we finish up today. Because that was kind of, that's my warm-up right there. I'm just getting warmed up, ready to go. Okay, that's my warm-up. I want you to see this obvious but often missed connection between prayer and bearing fruit between abiding in His Word and abiding in Christ and asking whatever we will, and that producing fruit in our lives. So I want, you to, I want you to see a couple things here that really will attach themselves to you. When you ask 
what you desire, it will be done for you. That's the second part. If then, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you will ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. Let me tell you this right off. Get ready. This is not a blank check for you to fill in however you want to. Okay? It really deeply concerns me when believers take a word out of context, a sentence out of context, and use it in some way as if we're going to twist God's arm to do our will. Folks, that is not the way prayer works. Prayer must, if it's going to be effective, and if it's going to answer, be in His name, according to His will, and for the purpose that God is glorified, not that I get what I want. Can I say that again? I want you to really mark that down in your head. For prayer to be fruitful, for prayer to be answered, for prayer to be everything that God wants it to be in your life, it has to be in His name, according to His will, and with the purpose that He is glorified. What brings Him glory, He tells us in these verses, for us to bear fruit. What is that answered fruit? Answered prayer. God wants to answer our prayers, but it is conditional. Not just on anything we ask willy-nilly, but what is His will to be done? The context says that it flows out of Jesus' words abiding in us. Because His words is a clear expression of His will. To pray His word is to pray His will. And to pray in His will is to receive the power and the direction and the strength and the clarity and everything that we're needing in that particular moment. It would be unthinkable for a genuine believer in Christ to ask anything that he had not first sifted through the Word and the will of God. That would be an abomination, folks. That would be an abomination. I know this hits you very hard, some of you, who are really depending on winning the lottery, okay? or buying that Lamborghini, or whatever the case may be. Prayer is not about you and I getting our requests. Prayer is about us understanding out of our abiding in Christ and living in His Word what His will is and how He can be glorified and begging Him to let that happen in and through your life. That's prayer. That's what's being talked about here. It concerns me when people will wrestle a passage out of context and, and not to use it for their own purposes and, to, like I said, try to, try to force God to do something that is my will and may not be His will. People so often, they love to go to Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I believe that. I prayed that verse. I believe in the promise behind that verse. I have been energized and empowered by that verse. But listen to me. That's not a blank check either. You must keep that context, the text in its context. What is it Paul was saying right there? He said, look, I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You see the context? It's not Paul saying, I can, I, 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 I can get God's power to do anything I want to. He says, no, 
wherever God places me in His ministry, however He is enabling me to bear fruit for His glory, He'll empower me with everything I need. That's the context. So don't go wrestling God's Word out of its context. And, and this is one of those passages right here that's very much the same way. We don't want to try to say, okay, God, you're in me. Your Word's in me. Now, I got you. You got to do what I want you to do. Let me rub this little genie lamp right here and you'll pop out and give me my wishes. That's blasphemy. That's not what the Scriptures say. So let's, let's dig here a little bit. I want you to come out away from here with four realities about what prayer is out of this passage. Now what we, we want to make it, but what prayer is as it's explained right here out of this passage. First of all, prayer is always vitally attached to fruit bearing. Prayer is always vitally attached to fruit bearing. God designed prayer to give His disciples the joy of bearing fruit that God gets the glory for. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it will be done to you. And by this, by this, by this is my Father glorified that you bear fruit. You see how it's connected. It is absolutely connected together by this. The primary point of prayer is bearing fruit. Now, He wants to do that in our lives wherever it is we're living. He wants to do that in our troubles. He wants to do that in our triumphs. He wants to do that in our relationships that fall apart. And He wants to do that in those relationships that He heals. Whatever it is that's out there, it's for Him to be glorified. And for people to look and say, Wow, look at what God did. Not what that person did. No, no, no. It's all wrong. And that's why we don't have anything to brag about. When God answers our prayer. Oh, I got this because I prayed for it and I really believed it all the way to the very end. Who gets the glory for that? I do. That's not, that's not the Scripture. And, and then look, look down to verse 16 real quickly. and We'll tie that together. I think we can. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you could go and, what? Bear fruit, okay? And that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask in the Father in my name, he'll give you. What? Connected with fruit bearing. Absolutely. Listen, prayer malfunctions when we don't use it to bear fruit for God's honor and glory. Prayer's going to malfunction. Because it's not designed to do that. It's designed to be in cooperation, in connection with God being glorified by fruit bearing. Second thing is this. The words of Jesus abiding in me prepares me to pray for fruit bearing. His word abiding in me, living in me, giving me life essence prepares me for fruit bearing Prayer. You see, the major challenge of prayer is for me to become the kind of person who is not dominated by my natural desires. See, when I'm dominated by what I want, see, that's the essence of sin, remember? When I am dominated by what I want, my prayer is about me, me, my, my, me, me, my, my. 
And what has that got to do with fruit bearing? Well, it can have something. I'm not saying that all prayer has got to be tied this way. I mean, Jesus very obviously said, you know, in the, in the Lord's Prayer, he said, he taught us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, that's very clear. That has to do something about my natural need. He wants my, my tummy filled. But what does he say before that? That the name of God may be hallowed in my life? That I may be seeking his will to be done? And as I am seeking his name to be hallowed in my life and his will to be done, he knows I need to eat and drink and have a roof over my head. So see, those things enable me, prepare me to be fruit-bearing in other ways. You see, it's the same. It's the same. Let me give you a couple examples right out of John's writing because we're talking about John right here. In 1 John 1.10 he says, If you, we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. See that? If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What does this mean? If I'm abiding in Christ and his word is abiding in me, I understand my nature. I understand that I stand in absolute need of God. I have a good assessment of who I am. And I'm not exalted. Because the word of Christ and Christ himself abides in me. And I know that I have been saved. I've been redeemed. But I know I have that old nature that's always pulling me down and pulling me back. And I know that because he's abiding in me and I'm abiding in his word. That's what it says right here. John 17, we'll get to this a little later. But John 17, 8 says, They have received my words, there it is, and truly understood that I come forth from thee. What is he saying? If I'm abiding in you and my words are abiding in you, you understand who I am. That I am the Lord God Almighty in human flesh. How do we know that? Because he's abiding in us and his, his word is abiding in us. And that's what his word teaches Okay? 1 John 2.14 says, I have written to you, young men, because the Word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. What's that saying? If, if, if He's abiding in us and His Word is abiding in us, then I know the truth because He is the truth and I am not drawn away by Satan's lies and counterfeits. Where does that come from? Him abiding in me and His words abiding in in me. You see what I'm saying? These two are intricately together. Third point is this. The more saturated in the words of Jesus I am, the more my prayers are going to be answered. The more saturated in the word that I am, the more my prayers are going to be answered because I'm praying the word, I'm praying in his will, I'm praying in his name. And my natural tendency, my willfulness has become subordinated, has become subject to the will and the wants of the Almighty who is living within me. See, the challenge of prayer is to be the kind of person who doesn't live to our mere natural desires. That'll bear fruit to us. But to live for His will and His way to bear fruit for Him. And the key to becoming that is his words to abide in me. 
Because wherever Jesus abides, His Word's going to abide. And He's going to come with His opinion, with His power, with His perspective. And He comes not as just someone who will make a suggestion, but a man who wants to be the sovereign Lord and Master of our lives. Finally, this fourth point I want you to take away. Prayer is not for gratifying our natural desires, but seeking and knowing and His desire. Not for getting my natural desires met, but to know and then to seek that His desires are done. That becomes my imperative in life. Prayer is, is for God's name and His kingdom and His will to be done and Him to be glorified in the fruit that we bring together. Now, if, if my protection will bring honor to God and glory to God, if me escaping danger will bring honor and glory to God. If me having something to eat and a place a roof over my head will bring honor and glory to God. If, if me having an education, if, if, if me having success, whatever, if these things will bring, bring honor and glory to God, then that's something that He adds because it's in context with Him. Let me give you an Old Testament text. I want you to write this down. Write down Psalm 37, verse 4. Write down that reference. Psalm 37, 4. Long before the Word became flesh to dwell among us, long before God became a man in Jesus Christ, He inspired these words. Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Delight yourself in the Lord. That's knowing Him being transformed by Him, let Him being the consuming fire in your life. Delight yourself in Him. And then He'll give you the desires of your heart. Why is that true? Because you know what? If you and I have Christ abiding in us, and His words are abiding in us, and this is something where our will is growing more like His will, and our desires being more like His desires every day. You know what? The desires of my heart are the desires of His heart. And they're one and the same. They're one and the same. That's why the psalmist could say this. Because if you and I are consumed with Him, if He is our life, if we draw our life source and essence out of that relationship with Him, if that's everything to us, then an amazing thing happens. Not right away, slowly and surely. It takes time. But an amazing thing happens. As I repeatedly take my will and make it subordinate to His will, lift His will above mine, as I, as I take my desires and subject them to his desires and make his desires mine, something happens in me. I begin to be transformed. And my desires and my heart and my will is not my natural desires, but it's his desires. Let me tell you what prayer is. Prayer is coming to God the Father and saying, Father, Jesus himself told me to come and ask you for this. Did you get that? Did you get that? That's important. That's something you need to understand about prayer. Quick little story from the Lodge household. Uh, the boys and I, when they were little, we were out back uh, burning brush, burning leaves and such as that. 
and we're getting ready to have them all piled up. And then I, I, I told the littlest one, Jonathan, he ain't the littlest one no more, <laughs> but the littlest one, I said, go in the house and tell Mama to give you some matches and bring them here. We've got to set this fire. So he ran in the house. Mommy, I want some mas- matches. She looked at him and said, no. Well, he come trotting back down to the pile. Said, son, where's the matches? Mama said, no. Okay. Go tell Mama, Daddy needs the matches. So he runs up there. He comes back with the box of matches. Why? Because he said, Daddy said. It wasn't about him. It was about Daddy's will being done. When you and I pray for God's honor and for His glory, we're saying, God, Father, merciful, merciful God, Jesus Christ sent me to lift up His desire, His heart, His will before you. And what's the Father going to say? Yes! Because He's mine and I'm His. And our will is one. And son, you've just joined the ranks. You've just made your will His. That's what prayer like this means. You say, well, Brother Fred, I, I'm lost in a lot of this abiding stuff. I really am. Can I pause just a minute to say this? Let me tell you one quick thing about abiding and then we'll leave. Abiding means that you've recognized that God Himself became a man named Jesus Christ. He came and lived a perfect life on this earth. And yet, He went to the cross and was crucified to take the punishment of my sins and yours upon Himself. And when He died on the cross, it was to take the full weight of my sins and yours upon Himself. The Bible tells us that my sin has separated me from God and yours has too. And there's no hope for us. But Jesus Christ took my place of punishment. And not only that, but three days later, He rose from the grave to where He could bestow upon us His life. His very eternal life. As ours. And so, what it means to begin your abiding simply means this. Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And right now, I dare to believe that when you died on the cross, it was to take my sins upon yourself. And when you rose, it was so I could have your eternal life. Right now, I ask you to come into my heart. Cleanse me of my sin. I want you to be the ruler, the king, the boss of my life. I surrender to you. I want you to abide in my heart. And I want to abide in you. That's where it starts. If you haven't done that, then I'm going to do that prayer again in just a moment. I'm going to ask you to pray along with me. And start your abiding journey asking Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Master. Will you bow your heads, please? Holy Spirit, you have been so here today. You have been so here today. From the very first few moments we gathered, and especially right now, At this very moment, you're tugging at hearts. Some people might have been in church all their lives, but have never made this conscious decision. This is a holy moment. Lord, I I pray that you not let anybody move. 
that those who are genuinely born again will be praying from the depths of their hearts that those who need you might pray along with me right now. Say this with me out of the depths of your heart. Dear God, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I dare to believe you died on the cross to take my sins upon yourself and you rose again that I might have your life. So right now, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. Cleanse me of my sins. Take up residency as the king, the ruler, the very boss of my life. I give my life to you. Father, I know on the authority of your word, you've never refused a prayer like that and you're not going to start today. May every one of my friends that have prayed that prayer today understand that the angels of heaven are rejoicing and we want to rejoice too. So as we sing, Lord, will you encourage them to come and take Derek or Eric by the hand and just say, I prayed with the pastor so we can rejoice with them and encourage them, set them on their way with some scripture. Father, maybe there are others that maybe you've told them today that this is the time they just need to come to the altar and pray and pour their, their heart to you. Others maybe to join our fellowship and be part of this family. Lord, this is your time. We want Jesus Christ to be high and lifted up. And so we pray in his name. Amen.